Awesome. Do you know, have you ever had a day where you started off a day and you're only a few minutes in and you're like, man, that's not how I wanted to start my day. Anybody ever had a day like that? I had that today. I went down in the kitchen. My son was there, Jackson. And I said, what are you doing up so early? Because this was early. And he's like, I got to go to work. They called him into work at the coffee shop. I said, you're missing church today? And he's like, yeah, I got to go in. I said, well, I'm not even preaching. And he said, well, who's preaching? And I told him who's preaching. And he goes, oh, they're my favorite. So in other words, he was fine getting up, getting ready, going to work. When I was preaching, as soon as I told him somebody else was preaching, he went to work, he went to work bummed out once I told him who it was. So uh, he's going to miss today, um, and we can welcome up Courtney, who's going to be preaching today on Rooted and the early church and how the early church uh, lived their lives in the way of Jesus rooted in Christ. So I'm going to pass this mic off to her and, you know, get out your notepads or whatever. I guarantee you there's going to be some stuff she writes down. You're like, oh, I need to remember that. And so just be prepared right now. Thank you. That's uh, definitely no pressure at all. I absolutely love it. All right, you guys. Well, uh, our church is kicking off our all-church 10-week series on Rooted. And how many of you guys are signed up? Raise your hand if you've signed up for, yes. Oh my gosh, you guys, I absolutely love that. And you know why I love that is because Donnie and I have actually facilitated Rooted groups ourselves three times. And so we love this group, and I get to tell you all about why, but before we do that, we're going to spend a lot of our time today in Acts chapter 2, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. If not, that's okay, because the verses that we're going to be really spending the most amount of time in are going to be up on the screen. So I'm going to kind of give like a run-through summary of verses 1 through 41, and then we're going to be spending all of our time in verses 42 through 47 today. So go ahead and open up your Bibles if you've got that. All right. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background here, too. So the beginning of Acts chapter 2 starts with something called the Day of Pentecost. Now, the Day of Pentecost was this big celebration that always took place 50 days after Passover. And if you're familiar with uh, the Bible at all, Passover is the time when we have like the upper room. We just did today communion, the last supper with Jesus, that happened during Passover, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all of that was during that time. So there were a lot of people that had come in from all over the continent because of these days of celebration. There were times when people would pilgrimage into Jerusalem from all over different countries, different languages, and they were all gathered together for Passover, and then they would typically stay for Pentecost, which was the big celebration, and then they would go home afterwards. So that is where we're actually going to be starting in verse 1, chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were gathered together in one place. Now the they here are the first Christians. So this was after Jesus had died, risen, and he had spent some time with them, and then he had gone up to heaven, and they were just kind of like left behind, like, what do we do now? So what they did is they all gathered together, and they just prayed and kind of waited to see what the Lord was going to do next. So the they here are the small gathering of Christians that were just forming. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. So there were a lot of expats in the area at this time. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these people speaking Galileans? How is it that each one of us hears them in their own language to which we were born? And then it goes on to list all the different countries from which people were gathered there, and they were all hearing them share the gospel in their own native tongue. And they were all continued to be amazed and were greatly perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? So then after that, Peter gets up and he starts to share a sermon with all of the thousands of people that had gathered because of this phenomenon that was going on. And he tells them all the history and lays out this clear case for why Jesus is the Messiah and why they should believe and why Jesus came and died for their sins. Now, this was the same Peter who just 50 days prior had denied Jesus because he was scared. And now here he is, having seen Jesus risen for himself and filled with the Holy Spirit, is speaking out in boldness, telling all these people everything that Jesus has done for them. And 3,000 of the people that were there decided to give their life to Jesus and follow Jesus, and thus the church was born. And that is what we call the early church. So now we're gonna pick up in verse 42. All right, so verse 42, it says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles. All those who believed were gathered together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, this passage is kind of upheld as like the optimum of churching. It is like the highest form that we all want to get back to. You might hear people say like, oh, we've got to get back to like the early church. Anybody here heard said that? Heard that said? Oh, we just got to be like the early church. So what they're referring to was this very, very tiny, short point in the church's history where they were exhibiting these characteristics. And we're going to examine some of those characteristics of this little baby church. All right, so verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This group of people really needed teaching. They were devoting themselves to learning scripture. A reason for that was that a lot of them had come from all over. They weren't necessarily born and raised in the synagogues of Israel learning all of this foundational theological education that the locals had. They needed a cohesive theological foundation, and so they were dedicating themselves to learning what they believed, and they used their time in Jerusalem to do that. It was about three years before persecution started happening and scattered them all over that they really got to learn and get this strong foundation. They were together as often as they could be, building authentic, genuine relationships with one another and praying together and breaking bread. Now, a lot of people look at that breaking bread and they're like, what does that mean? Does that mean that they were performing the communion 
uh, ceremony, kind of like what we did here at church today, where they were remembering Jesus' body and his blood? Or does breaking bread just mean that they were getting together and eating all their meals together and having a good time? And for them, it was both. They actually integrated both of those things so that when they were going to someone's house for dinner, at that time when they were sharing the meal, they were also going through the communion ritual as well. Now imagine someone in the church invites you to dinner and you're all excited, you know, you bring like the dessert and the sodas and they've got dinner and you sit down at the table and they pass around a piece of bread and they're like, this is Christ's body broken. Like, oh, oh, we're doing that now? Like I just thought we did that like once a quarter at church, but like, okay, <laughs> okay, sure. Like that, it would seem kind of weird, but that is actually how they integrated those two things together. It was done at the same time. All right, verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles and those who believed were together and had all things in common and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them all as anyone might have need. Now this is the little group of verses that sometimes get us feeling a certain kind of way because we're like, oh no. This is where they say, like, we're going to have to sell our house and all our stuff and join a commune. <laughs> but, no. At least, at least no one here is going to tell you that. And if they do, let me know. So there is actually a lot of context that can be applied to this scripture that talks about why this radical giving and living in the communal way was really unique to this point in history in this particular group. And we're gonna talk about that here. So a lot of the early church members, remember they were migrants or they were expats. They kind of, what we do here, they came for the feastus and they stayed for the Jesus. And that, I think, describes about 75% of the people in our church, which I absolutely love. But what this did is it created an urgent need for food and housing and care. A lot of these people had to find work locally because they wanted to stay for the discipleship and the learning and the growing that they were experiencing. And the church was growing faster than it had the infrastructure to support. Also kind of like our church. Because their closeness to one another and actually being involved in each other's lives, they could see the needs that were right in front of them. And it wasn't abstract. It wasn't like someone over there or that person on the TV commercial or that person on the street corner. It was Joe and it was Sarah. It was people that you saw and that you were in community with that had these needs. And so it was so much more urgent to reach out and meet those needs. And they were also being filled with the Holy Spirit and compelled. That was at the root driving this radical giving. When persecution eventually scattered the church all over the continent, you didn't really see a lot of that radical commune-type living anymore throughout the rest of the New Testament. Even though generous giving and care for the poor is still emphasized from the rest of the Bible going forward from that point in time. So James tells us that true religion is measured by how we care for orphans and widows. And first, John asked the question, can the love of God actually be in a person if they're just ignoring their brothers and sisters in need? And so that's why when you look at that passage of scripture that's kind of scary for everybody and they're looking at the early church, it's really important that you can't ignore the context of that scripture to say, okay, well, this is how they did it, so this is the formula for exactly how we should do it. And you also can't apply the context of that scripture to say that 
this is why we can not have our duty to care for the poor and the people in need. Because radical giving and radical caring for each other is seen and emphasized throughout the whole rest of the Bible, even though it doesn't look exactly like how they did it at that time. All right, verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Jesus, when he was alive and walking on this earth, always drew people to himself. People wanted to see him. They wanted to be around him. They wanted to be near him. Everywhere he went, big crowds. And his spirit living inside his people at work in our lives, transforming us from the inside out, that draws people to Jesus too. It answers a deep-seated longing inside of people to know and be known by their creator. And I don't know how many of you guys have heard that really famous quote by Gandhi where he says, I like your Christ. Your Christians, I don't like. They don't look anything like your Christ. We live in a day where church attendance is at historical low numbers. In Western culture, you don't see that in a lot of other places, but Western culture, people aren't going to church anymore. They don't want to. You're seeing a lot of what they call nuns, not nun like in the Catholic term nuns, but N-O-N-E, nuns. That means that people just don't want to believe in anything. They're like, I have no faith or no belief system or no religion. A lot of what drives that is they look at the church and they say, your text says that following this way is supposed to make you a nicer person and a better person, but when we look around at the church as a whole, we just see a lot of a-holes, and I'm sorry for my abrasive use of letters and holes, but that's true. The first Christians were so like Christ that it drew people to Jesus in mass. And then what happened? Well, persecution came a few years after that and people were fleeing for their lives back to their countries of origin. And the church established itself in Greece and in Asia and in Africa. And then, of course, we all know, it just stayed this harmonious, utopian community of goodness where everyone continued to reflect Jesus and have sound teaching, right? No, not exactly. It didn't take very long for human nature to do what human nature do. And the churches started doing crazy things and teaching crazy things. And then we see most of the books from there forward in the New Testament were the apostles admonishing the church to come back to its roots, to come back to loving one another, to come back to serving one another, to come back to stop sinning and hurting each other and hurting themselves by their sin, to come back to being gospel-focused first and with Jesus at the foundation. They wanted them to come back to their roots. But that's just been the pattern of the church for the last 2,000 years. You know, we go way out into the field, we get all corrupty, do all kinds of damage, and then we have to be brought back to center, brought back to the roots. So several years ago, um, Donnie and I walked through some, some really, really hard church stuff. We left a situation that was um, really abusive and really, really unhealthy. But we didn't want to leave church. Okay, that's actually not true. We did want to leave church. We really wanted to leave church. But we were parents, and we wanted our kids to be in church. 
So what we decided to do was go to the biggest church in that city where we could just sit in the back and disappear and just attend for a while so that our kids would get plugged into youth group and get connected and at least they would have a church experience. And I remember those first few months that we went there, I would show up on a Sunday morning and the, and the band would start playing and the worship would start and we'd stand and I, I couldn't sing the worship songs. And I would just say, okay, Lord, I put pants on and I showed up. And that is all the worship that I have to offer you today. And so it's gonna have to be good enough. And that went on for several months. And then that church was gonna start up their Rooted program. We had talked about joining Rooted, uh, but honestly, I wasn't super interested because I thought it was gonna be kind of basic. And, you know, we had been in ministry for a long time, and uh, this is gonna sound terrible of me, but I really wasn't interested in going through a book where I didn't think I was gonna learn anything. You know, I kind of like browsed through the first few chapters, and like, I already know all this stuff. It seems like it might be a waste of time. But I was also really into martial arts at that time, and I had just leveled up into the next class and I was super excited about. And the instructors were always emphasizing to um, us who had made it into that next level how important it was for us to continue to jump in on those level one classes because our foundation was always going to need inspection and repair if we wanted to move forward well and not get sloppy and not pick up bad habits and bad form. And that made me think about Rooted. And that it was probably a good time for me to do some inspecting and repair to my spiritual foundation as well. So we signed up and we ended up loving it so much that in that big giant church of 5,000 people that we chose specifically so we could not get involved and disappear and not do anything, we ended up facilitating the group three times because we, <laughs> because we loved it so much. I remember we were just laughing and we we're like, how do, how do we, you know, every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. That's definitely what it felt like. So our church is kicking off rooted this week and it's a great opportunity if you're new to walking with Jesus to learn about what we believe. And if you're an experienced Christian, it's a good opportunity for you to inspect your foundation and be brought back to the characteristics of that first church. It happens in small groups so that you can experience that real authentic community because that is just as important to spiritual formation as the book's content itself. And I will say after seven years removed from the abuse that we went through and after lots and lots of therapy, or my Jesus and therapy shirt today, um, church is still hard. It's still hard for us. It's still a struggle, and that's okay. And if we look at Acts 2, 42 through 47 as the gold standard for the characteristics of the church, you look at that whole chunk of scripture, most of that stuff is relational. The teaching's only mentioned a couple of times, but most of it is relational. And I, I guys, I love the nerdy stuff. I would be such a happy camper to just sit back in the shadows in my home with my blanket and my dogs and my lap cat and my computer and my Bible and all my little extras and my tools and just 
live in the academic side of the faith and not do the relational stuff. Because um, I'm not so awesome at the peopling. But, and that stuff is important. Don't get me wrong. It's very important. I love it. You want teachers who know how to rightly divide God's word. You need thinkers and writers and academics. That stuff is important. But all of that is because of people. You remove people from that, and it's, it's all for nothing. The people, you guys and each other, are the important part of that. I love Rooted because it's about the people and it's about that relational aspect of it. You're gonna learn some really, really great stuff in Rooted. If you were to go through the book just on your own, it would be good, like it's good. It's definitely, we're gonna talk about exactly what you're gonna learn in Rooted. But when you're engaging God's word in community with other people, that is the point in which it becomes transformative and starts to change you and starts to make you look and act and behave like Jesus because God designed us to do that in community with one another. Rooted helps you understand your why. You know, motivational speakers are always talking about like, you gotta know your why, you gotta understand your why. If you're getting coaching for any kind of uh, disillusionment or frustration or drifting off from your original vision, the first thing they're gonna have you do is do exercises so that you go back to the foundation and that you find out your why. The early church had to constantly be reminded of what their why was. And Rooted does a lot of that too. So in Rooted, we're going to discuss things and ask questions like, who is God? Who is Jesus? And who is the Holy Spirit? And what is our place in creation? We're going to ask, how does God speak to us? What exactly is and isn't prayer? And how do I pray? And how do I, just a regular person, not a pastor or anything, how do I get anything out of Bible reading? We're going to ask some really hard questions. We're going to ask, where is God in suffering? We're going to look at, why do good things or bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? We're going to ask, how could I possibly trust God again? We're gonna ask, what are spiritual battles? What is temptation? What is the spiritual realm and why would it affect my life? What impact does it have on my walk with Jesus? We're gonna find out how we can make the most of our lives. What are our calling? What are our gifts and how do we use them? We're gonna find out what the Bible really says about giving and finances and generosity. We're gonna talk about telling your story. Okay, so Jesus is changing my life. He's transforming me. How do I tell people that? What do I even say? How do I talk about it? And we're gonna talk about why is church important and what is it? Why is being connected to other believers crucial for my growth and my spiritual development? But guys, it's also not all serious. If you know anything about our church, if you've been here for any amount of time, you also know that we love to have fun. And, and we're going to have a lot of fun and rooted. It can be pretty wild and a little unhinged, but you guys are going to have some great experiences. You're going to have a really good time. You're going to be challenged. You're going to stretch and you're going to grow. And it's going to be amazing. So if you haven't signed up yet, Pastor Andy's going to come up here and talk about how you can sign up and how you can get involved. And that is it. So I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Andy, and he is going to talk to you about how to get involved in Rooted. 
All right, I did learn a new term I wrote down, abrasive use of letters and holes. I'm going to write that down. I never, I've never known that term before. Um, so let's talk about this. So how do you get a book? I'm going to hit a couple practicals first, and then I'm going to talk to you just for a second about the heart of why we're doing this. Because we've never done anything like this as a church before where we're trying to get everybody through the same thing together. Uh, but the books you'll get at group. When you go to group, they'll be there. We already ordered them all. And so we just, we just paid for them and ordered them all. We're believing everybody's going to want to join in. So we ordered a ton of them. Uh, you can go, when you want to register, it'll ask if you want to uh, pay for a book or else if you just need to receive a book and you don't have the money for it. If you don't have the money for it and you just need to receive it, just receive it. Don't stress out. Like, oh, I don't have the money. I don't want to put that down. Just receive the book and just be thankful and say, God, thank you for that. And sometime in the future, when you have money to pay for a book for somebody else, pay for a book for somebody else. And don't worry about it. And if you have money to pay for a book, go ahead and pay for it. But you'll get them at the groups. Uh, most of the groups are on Thursday. We're also going to do this in L3. And L3, we're going to break up into a few different groups because it's meant to be smaller. So our L3 is going to look a little different for the next couple months. Uh, but that also means that if Monday is better for you and you're not a part of L3, you could come to, on a Monday and do that because we'll, we're going to break up into smaller groups and it's going to look different anyway so you can fit right in. And we're also going to try to make a weekend group available if we can find people that want to do that. We've had a couple people say that that's what would work for them. Not quite enough for a group yet. So you guys need to still register and then just put on there that you need a different day or wherever you can comment and put in uh, or email us and say, hey, I want to do it, but these times don't work for me. And we're going to do our best to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to do it. Um, we even have a couple people that have requested a Zoom. I'm not sure exactly how well that will work, but we're open to whatever capacity it is to just help you get connected. So why are we doing this? The reason that we're doing this is because our church is growing. Um, you know, we have a freeze today, and there's still a lot of people here. Uh, the last, you know, few months, there hasn't really been a seat in here. The place is just packed. Um, and we're in the cold, and people are still coming. It's going to keep growing. And so what we don't want to do, and just in prayer as we're growing, is I just really felt like the Lord kept saying, you know, focus inwardly before outwardly. We're not trying to get just a bunch of numbers. We're trying to get people that are walking out our value, which is to love God, love people, and to live like we mean it. We want people that, that really walk that out. Well, how do we do that? We do that in small groups, getting to know and connect with each other. Um, you know, Cody was doing, uh, coming up and doing communion today. And he's like, oh, how am I going to do? He's like, do I, can I read off it or do I need to say it? You can read off of it. Have you ever been to a funeral or a wedding or anything? There's a bunch of family around and somebody gets up and they pull the paper out of their pocket and they unwrinkle it and they read it. And they're like, okay, hold on, I had something I wanted to say. Well, they know them, they're family, they're connected, but they're not worried about impressing anybody. They're just trying to communicate their heart, right? So it's not about a performance. We're not trying to perform for communion. We're not trying to perform for the word. We're not trying to perform for worship. We're trying to come together and follow Christ. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to walk this out. And you know what? Church is hard when you do it that way. It's hard when you do it anyway. Why? Because there's people involved, and where there's people involved, there's going to be some hurt, some struggle. There's going to be a time when somebody needs something and it's inconvenient for you and vice versa. But that's what family's like too. And when you get close to people, you get into all those types of things. You know, church is more like, you know, on social media, what do you see? You see everybody's best, right? All their best things. You see their best attitudes. You see their best family photo. You might know that they're like in the middle of a divorce, but you're like, I thought they were getting divorced, but that family photo looks awesome at the pumpkin patch. Because that's like their last big pumpkin patch one before they head to the attorney on Monday. But they look great. You know, you see, uh, you see Matt's best uh, recipes on Facebook. Uh, you'll see all those kinds of things. You see his hot dog. What do you got? Hot dog mayonnaise nachos. I mean, just you name it. It goes up there. 
If you could think of something to gag on, you can find the recipe for it on Matt's Facebook page. It's incredible. And so there's all these things, but that social media is everybody's best. A church is more like social mania, not social media. Social mania. You're going to get everybody's everything. You're going to get their best, and you're going to get their worst. And you're going to get everything in between. And if you've had a family, you know that that's what family is like. My brother, this is my last story. Uh, cut, cut the live feed. My family can't hear this. Uh, my brother, he had come down to visit from California, and we were going to a big family reunion, and we were pulling up. And my family, my, if you go back to my family growing up, we had all of them. We had everybody. There was no weird uncles. There was a bunch of weird uncles, and there was like one normal uncle, and that's the guy that stood out. Like, oh, there's the normal uncle. He's showing up. Everybody stand up straight. Look good. Because everybody was either on parole or they were saved on TBN, which is like Trinity Broadcast. Now, they're either on, they got saved on TV at midnight, or they, and they, that just happened, or else they're just out on parole, and we're all getting together to eat, and hope we don't get sick on each other's dirty food that we made. And we're there. We pull up. My brother gets out. He's talking to his wife on the phone, who came from a really proper family in California, and he says, so we're just getting to this uh, reunion. We're about to pull up, and he's kind of just telling some stories, and she goes, oh, it can't be that bad. And we look out the window, and as he says, as she says on the phone, it can't be that bad. We look out the window, and I'm not kidding you. We look out the window, and one of our uh, people is running at us with their middle finger out, with the middle, end of the middle finger gone, gone because it just got smashed off at work, running at us going, ah, you guys are here. Middle finger, and there's like no end of the finger. There's a piece of a bandage because he just smashed it between two concrete blocks and broke the finger off. And so family had all the crazies. And then the more I got older, I realized that most of the family is probably also looking at me because I'm the crazy. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm one of us. Well, in church, you can look around, see people, and there's a lot of people that have problems or issues. And guess what? When they go to church and they go home and they say, Man, I was just at church with a bunch of people with problems and issues. You're going home thinking about them, and they're going home thinking about you. But also when they know that they've been loved and blessed and cared for and somebody stood with them in a hard season, there comes a time when they're also thinking about you and you're thinking about them. And at the end of the day, you realize, you know what? Yeah, we're all a little bit off, but praise God, he's made us a family. Praise God, he's put us together. Praise God that we can walk this out. And so the idea of doing this rooted together is that we all come together and we work through this and kind of re-strengthen the unity and the community, both amongst ourselves and with Christ as more people are coming in to the church and we'll continue to do that as people come in. So it's a 10 week commitment. And I just ask that you really consider making it and joining us in it. If you don't, you can still come to church. We're still gonna love you. There's not gonna be like a, a badge you wear that you showed up at Rooted or you didn't. Um, but it is gonna help you connect and not feel like a number. We don't want anybody to be a number. We want everyone to be a part of a family, amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for uh, all the people here today. God, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, thank you that you have blessed us. Lord, thank you that you've given us all uh, a place to come and to be ourselves. Lord, but also not to just stay the way that we were. Lord, as you grow and change us and Lord, make us more like you. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you'd bless each person, Lord, today as they go and bless their families. And that Lord, whoever plugs into Rooted, Lord, help us to get, Lord, not just the 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 teaching out of it, Lord, and the concepts out of it, Lord, help us get the community out of it. 
or that you have for us. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com slash give.